0: Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. It's me, Ryan. Captain Ryan here in charge of this ship that we're on. How are you going?
1: Nice to meet you too, Captain Ryan. I'm Bartek, but you already knew that. You're, uh, you're the Bartek. I'm the Bartek. For some people that don't know, my first name is actually Bartwomier.
0: You're a fart machine.
1: I'm... The fart machine. I think I have called myself that before. So
0: <laughs> so it applies. It's
1: interesting that this 2021 film has uh, used my phrase. They've, they've listened to the pod. They've, <laughs> have I said it on the pod before? Probably. Probably. I've definitely said it about myself. You've
0: said a lot of <laughs> things on the pod.
1: Yes. Most of them true.
0: If people gather up all the audio to our podcast and put it through some kind of machine, they could they could replicate you. Mm. With all your full memories, yeah, you and can have knowledge.
1: like you can have like a Garfield without Garfield, but it's a spit and polish without Ryan. It's just me,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be fun. And sometimes guests, L- yeah. remember when Luke was a host at one point of this show because I wasn't available. <laughs> you don't. I don't, I wasn't there. But enough of our history. Let's get into the show that we do here, Pictures Pow Wow, where we talk about a movie. We're a movie podcast. We talk about a movie that has come recommended. We dive deep into it. Uh, we go into a cycle where Barto recommends a movie. I recommend a movie. Then you, the listening people, recommend a movie. Feel free to drop us a line on the social media or in our, to our email to uh, recommend movies to us. Us. We'll add it to the list. We actually do need some recommendations, people. The list is a, it's a good size, but it could always use some
1: more mm, yes, suggestions. It's going cold.
0: It's going cold in space. I recommended the film that we're doing today. Really, the 2021 film. So last year this came out, uh Space Sweepers, which is a South Korean movie that is available on Netflix. So if you are at all interested in watching it, there's the information. Go ahead and watch it. We're going to be talking about it. Uh, I recommend giving the film a watch if you are at all interested in some wacky sci-fi adventures. But we are going to get into the details, so that that does mean spoiling it. First piece of detail is... I recommended a movie that I have not seen before. This is one that I had not seen. It was on my watch list for quite a while. I, It came into my uh, world from just every now and then I like to check out what sci-fi movies are available mm. on any of these platforms or around. And uh, I put them in watch list. Maybe I you know, do a little bit of reading or in this case, I mentally noted it down and then I didn't do anything. I didn't even add it to the Netflix watch list. I was like, oh, that looks interesting.
1: Yeah, I remember last week you mentioned like, oh, it's been one that you've had in your peripheries for a while. Mm -hmm. And I interpret that as like, oh, okay, so it must be like five years old or something Mm -hmm. like that. So when I saw 2021, I was like, is there more than one Space Sweepers on Netflix? But no.
0: Nope. And then uh, a good friend of the podcast, Sam Noonan, who has uh, appeared a couple of times, he mentioned it to us on our social media at one point. Uh, Hey, Space Sweepers is a good movie. And then I went, hey, I've, I've noted that down mentally. I'll add it to my list of, I'll check it out for myself type of deal. And then I was in the mood, let's just whack on one that's uh, in my watch list that I haven't seen before and see how it goes. I didn't have uh, too much knowledge about the actual film going in. So, what I understood the film to be, I knew it was South Korean. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a space movie. And my understanding of it was, I thought it was about, and you can kind of see why I think this, because the movie almost is this. I thought it was about a bunch of space trash collectors, which is kind of true, yep. uh, who find a, a, a robot. And it's very, like, and shenanigans ensue from there. That's all I thought the movie was. I thought, oh, it's about this, these uh. Trash collectors in space, and they find a robot, and things change. And then you see the thumbnail, and there's a big robot, like a big robot robot. I'm yeah, like, That's yeah, the yeah. robot that they find. <laughs> but I'm kind. You you can see how I'm. I was almost right in that assessment because the movie leads you down one way with thinking about how they're going after how they find this little robot girl, but then uh, it leads you down another way with that. So. What about you? I recommended this. I told you a little bit about it last week, but did you have anything going in? Um
1: I yeah, I had not heard of this film at all until you mentioned it. In fact, a couple of nights ago I had to ask you what the title was again because I forgot mm-hmm. and I had to put it in the description. Um but obviously, uh you know, I've got the title there so I can, you know, gather thoughts in my head about like, okay, what's the potential here? I didn't look up very much about it before watching. Like I said, I looked it up on Netflix, so mm-hmm. it was there, so it was 2021. I saw The Robot, which wasn't in the... Th- I don't think it was in the thumbnail, but in, like when you select the thing, it like mm-hmm. shows you an image of it. Um, And I think my impression of, like, oh, I think this is what it's going to be about was sort of similar to yours. It was basically, like, Okay, so maybe we're following, like, space janitors of some sort, mm. and there's a robot involved. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nothing specific about, like, finding the robot and going on an adventure. Like, you
0: remember it was South Korean?
1: I remembered it was South Korean. I obviously noted that down because I think every South Korean film I've ever seen has been for Pictures Power wow so
0: far. Do you want to bring up your trivia that you brought up last week about South Korean movies?
1: Is it because you're gonna contradict me? No. No. So last week, um, before the episode that we did, I coincidentally, just out of curiosity, thought to myself, like, oh, what what did we do a hundred episodes ago? <laughs> and at that point, last week, the answer to that was the handmaiden.
0: And why I wanted to bring that up is the captain in this movie, the the chick was the lead actress in The Handmaiden.
1: Oh, excellent. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. I'm not too familiar with, you know, South Korean names or faces. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, like, oh, any returning faces in this one?
0: There's a few for me because I've seen a few of these movies, but she's the main one. I saw her and I went, I know you. She's aged, obviously it's been a few years since The Handmaiden when this came out and her hair's different in this and also she's playing, like, a futuristic character on that movie. She's a character in the past, so... Mm. Uh, But I thought, oh, I wonder if Bartek will note this down, because he brought up The Handmaiden, <laughs> and, and I'm not too sure. But that was a movie we both yeah, enjoyed na- very much. Yeah, now
1: to think of it, the three films that we've done, the three that I've seen have been like a past, present, future thing. Yeah, <laughs> the right? Middle, the middle one was burning, for anyone that doesn't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, then I made sure to say, I don't know if you did, but I made sure to say, oh, watch it in Korean, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the movie throws me for a loop because I I select Korean because it naturally selects it as yeah. English. But then the oh, movie you did, yes, okay, yes. But then the movie, lots of English in it. I was like, oh, okay. lots of languages. Well, that's it. Lots <laughs> of different languages. When I'm used to Korean movies, they may have the occasional English-speaking person, like in Burning, for instance. Yes, yeah, Stephen Stephen Young's character Yeun, yeah. could speak, you know, English because. That's a part of the mystery of his character and also the real life actor Ken because that's he's American, yeah, <laughs> and this is and that's his first Korean language film, so why not use it? so I was a bit thrown for a loop because I've seen them use multiple languages. I mean the handmaiden as well had a, a lot a couple, of Japanese a lot of Japanese because you know it involves Japan a lot, and so it wasn't unusual, but it was just like whoa, uh oh it kind of remind me of uh By the guy who did Parasite, uh, Bong Joon-ho, he did a movie called Okja, which is also on Netflix. Uh, And that had, like, Jake Gyllenhaal, I think it was Jake Gyllenhaal's in that movie, I'm pretty sure he's in it. And, like, a few other, like, American celebs, Stephen Young's in that movie, so that movie's, like, South Korean, and then it's got English-speaking, so it wasn't completely out of the ballpark, but I was like, oh... Okay, how much is this is gonna be in English? And because the first like ten minutes is a lot of people speaking English. So I was a bit thrown. I was like, whoa, I thought we were getting like a full South Korean deal. And then it does start going into it. It was just that kind of took me a little while to I guess get used to my expectations walking in of I'm watching a South Korean movie. But I thought it was actually pretty clever how they slowly just went into it just being fully Korean language. Throughout the movie, but it was like in these points they speak in this language. These characters don't speak Mm. that language. They explain like the translator things don't work sometimes because they're poor. And I thought it was a a really interesting way. But that was like the thing that really hit me in the face when I first started. What about you? Because again, Mm. this is this is a new thing for both of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it it plays into that whole sci-fi thing of like the future is much more globalized. Mm -hmm. Um, you tend to think of the earth, not so much as a planet with many different countries and cultures, but like, I think even in Star Trek, like it's an earth federation. Yes. Exact same thing in Gundam. It's an earth federation. There are countries. A united earth. United earth, that kind of thing. Uh, battle on five i believe as well earth government five
0: very similar yeah but in that show they do reference like the russian consortium and like usa so there's still some of that but in the broader scale earth is earth yeah
1: but but in this one here like when we saw all these different characters that speaking different languages and the explanation that like oh they can understand each other not because of you know just tech and convenience but because Mm -hmm. they have technology that like translates for them because you have the german lady going like ah damn translator's not Mm. working the first time you don't hear korean and you know Mm. that explains it um the thing that was throwing me off though was that uh the default thing that it gave me was you know korean with english subtitles for translation okay um but it wasn't the english subtitles for everything in the film so i had to go and turn on closed captioning so i can get (gasps) translation oh okay yes, yes yeah so i can get uh subtitles for everything and there are a lot of points where it would tell me that, like, someone is saying this line in this language, but it's not in that language. Okay. So, it was, like, there was, like, little inconsistencies there. Like, the German lady is like, in German, she said this. But I'm like, no, that was in English. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, things throwing me off like that. And there are also a couple of lines in the film where... I wasn't hearing anyone talking, but, like, a conversation was happening in the subtitles. <laughs> maybe my volume was too low, but, like... Interesting. Yeah, maybe if I rewatched the film again a bit louder, I would have heard that.
0: Talk about technical things, uh, and this isn't the film. Uh, this is Netflix. This is how we watched it. I don't like with streaming services. This is uh me being all like, I wish I had physical media. A lot of time with streaming services, it can take a while for whatever you're watching to click into full res. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get that? Where it's like sometimes you start a movie or a show and it's slightly lower res and then it can kind of click into gear and being full resolution. And you can't on Netflix switch anything like you can on YouTube. I've Just sometimes it's like you see artifacts on dark patches of... Things in movies or shows, and then and then like come, sometimes can be a bit murky. Yeah. The first like twenty minutes of this two hours and fifteen long minute long movie, I had slightly lower res than the movie was actually because of just the nature of the beast of Netflix happening. And I've had this happen before. It's not a complaint on the movie itself; it's more just the way it was watched.
1: Yeah, the way that we legally in Australia watch it yeah. is on this. Um, I have had that happen in the past, mostly on YouTube, though. I, yeah. If it's happened to me on streaming services, you know, either I wouldn't have noticed or it was when I was watching, what's it called? Um,
0: you watched it on stand, didn't you? Yeah, She's the Man on stand. The yes. first
1: thing I ever watched on stand was just like, oh my God, what is this quality?
0: <laughs> exactly. So I kind of had that wrestling with it.
1: I could not read the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But uh, a piece of information, trivia, I learned mm-hmm. that you may be interested in yep. is this is the first South Korean sci-fi movie set in space.
1: Oh, I did hear something like this. this is the first South Korean space blockbuster or something? Yeah,
0: space sci-fi movie. That's kind of what it says because mm. they're very difficult to make. Yeah, it's interesting
1: because I, when I think of South Korean like culture, fictional culture, like I do think of robots and things like that.
0: They like to set it on Earth or futuristic environments or like bases on other things but not like space battles and stuff like that because i guess that's a a lot of work to do Mm. and i think it pays off really well here i really enjoy the atmosphere some of the other things i wanted to point out to talk about weird technicals or weird little gritty things like that is Since this is a multi-language film, it does stress that this is 100% a South Korean movie, though. The the Mm -hmm. production of it is South Korean.
1: It wasn't like a joint effort? Mm
0: -mm. This is, even though there are multiple languages being spoken and actors of note from different countries and so on, this is a South Korean movie. Interesting. So it's one of those things, I guess. And then uh, Netflix is obviously involved here, and there are a few Netflix things or actors involved. So the main antagonist is played by Richard R. Armitage, uh, who was in the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. But he is primarily like he's a great actor. And I want to talk about his character in this movie because I have certain things I want to discuss. But you know, he's the evil businessman. He's he's Whalen Utani, right? Yes.
1: But he has um, the same name as one of the heroes from Monsters Inc.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um He's the voice in the Netflix series of Castlevania of Trevor Belmont.
1: Oh, the main character? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of of Trevor Belmont. So when I was watching this, I I like him as an actor. I think he's great. I didn't recognize him at first because he has facial. He just looks different. Hmm. And I want to ask you this. In his first scene, when we first meet that character and he's in the field or whatever, Mm -hmm. maybe this is just me being crazy, and maybe I'm just, like, associating his look. He sounded German to me in that first scene, and then in the rest of the movie he just spoke like Richard does in everything, which is like Englishman who's very <laughs> sexy. But in that first scene, I'm like, is he doing? A, is this guy a German guy? I don't it's know. He's, it in the,
1: me. he's a bit further down in the background when he has his first line, right? Yeah, and
0: he has the dirt on his hand. Like, he's like, it's not the yeah. dirty. <laughs> and I thought he was German sounding, and then like none of the other scenes he was like that. His character was a real enigma to me. He, I, I wanted to know more what his deal was. He
1: was very interesting, Sully was.
0: Uh he was he was uh Guy Pierce in Prometheus, if done right. <laughs> Where Guy Pierce in Prometheus is like the rich eccentric Was he a you was he Wayland, Peter Wayland? Uh you've watched Prometheus.
1: Yes. And I'm taking your word for everything you're saying.
0: You don't remember Guy Pierce? He was uh, Charlie's Theron's secret father who they hid away, and he was like Guy Pierce, an old man makeup. And he was just like, I want the Prometheus to be young. And then then the Prometheus alien rips off uh, Michael Fassbender's robot head and beats <laughs> and like hits Guy Pierce in the face with it, and he dies. Um, <laughs> very funny. But uh, it's a similar idea where it's like this rich, uh, you know. Uh, entrepreneur guy businessman is using their so-called humanitarian stuff to actually be nefarious and live forever type of deal yeah god complex a god complex but see this guy was done right because he's in the movie guy pierce is like a surprise little twist in prometheus and you're like oh is this what this is about and it's also like they got guy pierce in ludicrous old man makeup well he richard Armitage, he's just like he's normal age and they just say that he's 153 years old and you're (laughs) thinking the whole movie what's this guy's deal Mm. he doesn't look 153 He's younger looking than some of the other characters in this movie. Yeah. But uh those are some things I just want to lay out. There's some other little Netflix-y things in here, like some special effects people and like some musical people, and there's just obviously Netflix was involved in some way in the production, and I'm curious of if they like how much pool they had, like in terms of like saying, make the main antagonist played by this actor, or if this is a we've talked about this with foreign movies a lot uh especially like japanese stuff or or even maybe bollywood stuff they get a famous actor or like a a foreign actor who's a well-known name and they just kind of shove them in even if it's a minor role in their movie and it gives it like this little appeal like hey Mm. don't you want to watch this movie with keefer sutherland in it because we're in japan and we love him for some reason (laughs) and you move on so I'm just curious about that. But uh, tell me, what did you think about Space Sweepers?
1: I thought it was good. I had a good time with it. Uh, don't love it, but I think it did everything quite well. It was a fun time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess a bit of full disclosure, I started watching it pretty late last night, um, and I had to pause it and sleep and then resume it after waking up. I remember the point that happened was right after uh richard armitage got Mm. the guy to kill the guy and then he himself Mm. got killed the journalist yeah so that was like almost exactly halfway through the film so Mm. there might be some first half stuff that i might muddle up a bit um but i followed it pretty well after waking up so yeah um yeah it was fun we've done a couple of films in the past um where the plot revolved around like you know group of you know,
0: lovable rogues. Lovable
1: rogues. I was going to say, um, to differing extents, a cynical adults mm. doing serious things, uh, having to look after a child. And then mm. as, as the film goes on, they, you know, grow closer to the child and they become warmer people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, you know, Three Fugitives. Babies Day Out. Babies Day Out. <laughs> Ice Age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've done a few. There, there have probably been a couple more as well, yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it, it was a very, you know, familiar premise. Um, obviously not original, but that's fine. Um, and it had a very sci-fi, sci sci fi sci-fi flavor to it, which was interesting.
0: An interesting sci-fi world.
1: Yeah. A lot of things, obviously you're the big sci-fi guy, but even me, I I was noticing some similar things to other things I've watched. Like I've already mentioned Gundam. Mm -hmm. I've been watching that a lot recently and there are all these little things in this one. I was like, oh, that's very similar to this idea, but it's done very differently here. Especially like you know, there's mm. Earth, the colonies in space, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed this. Ah, uh, it's messy, mm. and even before looking up trivia, and trivia does back this up. It's it's messy and long, but also it comes across as there's things missing, which there are. There are things missing in the movie, though the mm-hmm. whole things, and I was. Saying to myself constantly, and I was like, oh man, I can't wait to talk to Bartek about this, because I feel like this is going to be up Bartek's alley, and I feel like this main criticism Bartek's going to bounce off of. Oh boy. <laughs> Would this not have been great as an anime? Or a series? Could you not imagine? That, like, this comes across like Cowboy Bebop in a lot of ways to me. Mm. This is the fucking Cowboy Bebop Netflix thing you should watch. <laughs> Yeah, it's not
1: quite the same. No, but, it's not quite the
0: same. But, but the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. The, you it's this? like a group
1: of, you know, four people on a ship who mm-hmm. have, like, their interesting little chemistries and- And secret backstories
0: and that secret you discover, backstories, And secret backstories, personalities,
1: and things that you, like, kind of pick up on as it goes on. Mm-hmm. And then when it's revealed about them, you're like, oh, that makes sense. The
0: quirky kids and all of that, because yeah. in Cowboy Bebop you have the fucking weirdo, what's their name?
1: Uh, Crazy Edwards, Mad Edwards. Yeah,
0: the one that everyone on the Netflix adaptation lost their shit over um no but like um all this need was a little corgi and then you would have been right there
1: well that's what the girl was
0: yes 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 um but what do you think about that because when i was watching this i was saying to myself ah if this was in a series they could slowly release this information and you could have this exact same Plot structure over a season and spread it out with fun little adventures of this crew yeah. bonding and getting to know each other. Hey, this is the episode where we find out more about the captain. This is the episode where, uh, you know, the guy uh, accepts the blood money and then you have the whole episode of him trying to follow through on being the greedy asshole that he is, but he can't. You yeah, know what you, what I'm could, you, you
1: could kind of follow Cowboy Bebop in that sense where, you know, maybe you'll have like. Half, maybe slightly less than half, because it's a bit more of a modern thing. Of the episodes, would like not even really advance the plot much, mm-hmm. but just be like you know more characters going out there, being themselves, fun things happening. Yeah, you can definitely see something like that working. You don't have to do it as strict to the point where only five episodes out of twenty-six, uh, you know, really focus on main antagonists or anything no, like that. No, and but you yeah. could actually
0: flesh out the antagonists. Yeah, have an in actual the series, like balance, and, yeah. I, because the, you know, and this isn't me being i enjoyed the movie i loved it i thought it was a fun time i had a great experience in a way it's a criticism saying i wanted to spend more time with the Mm. characters and the world
1: there was a lot of potential that we saw for more rather than potential to be good
0: and and the actual information being dispensed characters backstories characters motivations revelations in the story what the bad guy was up to i enjoyed all of it was just it was just dropped on you in very clunky ways in the movie so it's like now we're going to tell you the what what the main character's backstory is the robot will explain it to the little girl because this is the part of the movie where we need to do that well if this was in a television series you could have the whole episode be like that Mm. where this is the episode where where we the audience find out that backstory and you get a wonderful it reminds me of again another thing avatar the last airbender It's a marvellous episode of the first season of Avatar Last Airbender where you find out why Aang left and how he got frozen. Yeah, It's a whole episode and that's like nine, ten episodes into the first season.
1: Yeah, you could see the structure of that episode being like, you know, coming after a couple of episodes where we already got to know this character. He's a Mm -hmm. bit grumpy. This episode would begin with him, like, in a short string of time, being grumpy about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And then a character would say something like, oh, man, what is his deal? And then that would lead into you exploring that. Yeah. And then casting a lot of his previous characterization in a different light.
0: Hence, he kind of reminds me, I'm not saying, when I use uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop, I use it in a favorable way. yeah. But he, you know, in part reminded me of Spike a little bit from time to time it's
1: really weird because there's a part of me that says like but he's so different to spike but then there's another part of me that's like i see what you mean
0: (laughs) it's not saying that what i'm saying is i don't know if there's inspiration or not but there is a definite wheelhouse that these two things live in yeah so it's not saying that this ripped anything off or it's taking from it it is you would watch this after watching cowboy bebop wouldn't you like, if you were having a, a night or a if week you, or whatever, and you were like, you, hey, what? instead of watching the live-action Cowboy Bebop show, <laughs> you
1: would watch this. Yeah, if it definitely if you were saying something like, um, oh, I really liked how in Cowboy Bebop they're on their ship, it's this very mm-hmm. intimate space, and they have, you know, all these conversations and stuff like that. I want to have that kind of an intimate feeling. This would definitely be a film to pick up because a lot of the scenes in the film are on that ship, and there are a lot of these little quirks. Like, the, the first time we meet a lot of these characters... Well, the second time they have like the card game, Mm -hmm. and like you're getting little bits of their characters, like, oh, this guy's really aggressive. But then there's
0: wonderful setups and payoffs. Yeah. And then the
1: the aggressive guy's like the first one to really turn, you Mm -hmm. know, lovable towards the girl and like to Mm. really go out there for the lovability
0: yeah 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 right right yeah, when
1: he was like tickling her with his dreads like i was like that's fantastic i love this
0: oh, i really love one of my favorite fight scene moments in the whole entire movie because the action is fucking great whether it's the fist fights or the shoot-em-ups or the sci-fi spaceship battles When he's having a fight and somebody from behind pulls his dreads, that was awesome because (laughs) I'm thinking, why wouldn't... I get annoyed in movies when they don't do that, especially when it's against women because it's like, that's a weakness, that's a weakness. Oh, a
1: ponytail? That could fit around my fists,
0: And I could drag them to the ground and beat them up. I love that moment and how he reacted. Like He reacted like, how dare you touch my fucking dreads? (laughs) How dare you do that? Mm. I really appreciated this. I thought... It was creative but also and unique, but in a way also where I can clearly tell that it has a love for multiple sources. It's not just Cowboy Beop. For some reason, the robot reminded me, uh, I don't know, it reminded me of several kind of anime robots as well. It, there was something familiar about it, but I haven't picked a specific. Yeah, anime. right? It's kind of hard to lock it in. In also mm. a way, it kind of reminds me of uh, K2 S O in Rogue One the star wars movie in a way too where they're like this similar designer where they also kind of speak their mind too openly yeah not not
1: not not saying that this robot is like a servant character but it kind of reminded me of like the butler archetype in Mm -hmm. the sense that like oh something would happen and then they would have a line that's Mm. you know uh very witty and very very funny
0: yeah and again it's it was a it was a fun crew of people i like spending time with them my favorite character was the captain i loved her i wanted to know more about her in the trivia the actress said like most of her stuff was removed like her behind the scenes so in like her her uh, backstory and stuff and her stuff so her character in the movie is the only one and this is what the actress states because of that, her character is the only one in the crew that doesn't really change. Hers is she mm, stays noticed. firm to what she was, which is she wants to kill the dude. That's all she wants. And then she does.
1: Yeah, but when by the time we got late in the film and like the villain, uh, Sully from Monsters, Inc., was um, getting like a briefing about who all these characters are and what they did. Like the, They started with her, a little information about her mm-hmm. in the past, and that felt like, oh, this is finally something about her because she's kind of the one that we get... The,
0: we knew about her tooth. Yeah. That she had a like self destruct in her tooth. That was like the big backstory thing we knew for most of the movie. Yeah. And but, then we get that. Yeah,
1: but whereas with the other ones, you know, we've got the, the robot Bubs mm-hmm. who, you know, has a whole thing going on, the father character, the main character of the film. Obviously mm-hmm. he's got a huge arc. Um and former
0: gangster guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle
1: Tiger, my favourite Ti- character. I knew boy. he would be. I watched him when that's <laughs> Barto's favourite. You would want
0: to play him.
1: Uh, I wouldn't be able to play him. No, all, but you, but I'd want, want to. I'd you'd want, want, want to. to. Yeah, um, yeah, and he obviously, like I said, you know, rough guy, really stands out. Got a look about him, and then he's like the lovable teddy bear to the mm, little
0: girl. Mm-hmm. Little but, girl was great character
1: too. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Like I remember back when we were talking about Ice Age. Man, <laughs> I remember this because I put the quote on the infamous picture I uploaded of us talking about how, like, oh, you know, this. Normally, with a child character, it's very easy to go wrong, make them unlikable, whingy, stuff like that.
0: A device. A
1: device, yep. But she was a pretty fun character. Like, she had a cheekiness to her, even in moments where, like, she wasn't emoting much. Like, the things she said were funny. (laughs) The way that they played off of each other was very funny. Like, when she would just innocently, like, follow them around. They're like, no, get away, get away.
0: Yeah, and I liked what she actually was, what, what her special thing was, I thought that was really cool and added and the way they kept uh, unfurling and, and and going through the layers of what her character is because at first you think that she's a, a little robot girl who's a who's a bomb and mm. then no, she's an actual little girl.
1: Yeah, what's the deal with her pooping and farting? And then she has
0: these powers and she actually wrote what's going on and How she's going to be able to be the savior of humanity was really cool. I thought that was a really neat sci sci fi way. And how they set it up with the nanobots earlier in the movie and then using them through her, and then then at the end using the nanobots again. Like it was, this movie did a really excellent job. As silly as the movie can be. And as sloppy as it can be, because it is sloppy and a bit messy in places. As I said, I think they just dump exposition on you in very, very clunky ways. But then they do brilliant setups and payoffs. It's like they had the, they made this
1: character like the, uh, the prophesized chosen one, but they never used any of those phrases. And then mm-hmm. only in retrospect, you're like, oh, there was that kind of story, I guess.
0: And yeah, she was wonderfully played like that, where the way we saw her bring the tomatoes back to life and then that actually became a little plot where they were selling the tomatoes and then that was like an emotional bonding moment between her and the main character and it came back up again later in the movie well in another movie it would have been just like she brought it back, and a character notices, and they're like, "She's the special one." But instead, it's like, "Oh, cool, we can make yeah. some fucking money." And there was even a point.
1: <laughs> there was even a point where I was wondering, like, "Oh, they're just gonna notice, and that's gonna be like the little device of the thing." But yeah, they they did bring it back. They sold the tomatoes, and it was a bonding moment,
0: and it tied into the main character's drive, money. He sees it and goes, money! <laughs> he doesn't see it as like, oh my god, this beautiful miracle thing we can do to save the world. He's like, no, I want to fucking sell it! <laughs> and gain $25! I think it was 23 actually. Oh yeah, 23 and um, it was really great. And the the setup with uh the captain and her sunglasses and how they were kind of x-ray-y and she used them to cheat at cards and how that got used again later in the movie as well when the time came and really great uh those things and i got a kick out of that a lot like with uh, your favorite character uncle tiger his little uh his little axe mm-hmm. how that was set up earlier in the movie he's always like threatening to use it and then that helps him start the ship proper when he just gets angry and he just hacks into the thing and then it actually like generates the thing they need i thought that was really well done and i was like really happy with uh that the movie could be silly and be over the top, while still not uh, degrading the structures of a script. It can be silly and crazy and go, hey, she's a fart machine, and we have the Canadian space sweepers, and we have Richard Armitage being like this fucking weird almost Gary Oldman in Fifth Element type villain where you don't know what the fuck his deal is. <laughs> but then it wouldn't skimp out on the structural importance that you have in a story like this, the setups, the payoffs, the the themes, the, the arcs of characters, the motivations behind them, uh, motifs running through the movie world building.
1: Hmm. Even for a very simple thing of uh, unpredictability, hmm. there was... Going towards the end of the film, I kind of had it in my mindset like, oh, I could see, you know, maybe one or all of our main characters, you know, dying in mm-hmm. the process of saving the girl. And I was almost convincing myself like, oh, yeah, not all of them are going to make it to the end. Yeah. And then when all of them, you know, lived throughout the whole thing, it was like, oh, that's fantastic. I wasn't seeing that coming. I didn't see
0: them having the bomb. When they were flying yeah, out, yeah, me neither. I didn't see that. And you
1: had all those scenes of like, oh, it's getting, you know, the distance is mm-hmm. closing, and it's like, oh, it's getting closer. No, wait, it's getting further.
0: Mm-hmm. And as although I find the villain to be weirdly sketched out, his final moment was perfect because it truly embodied his character. He's like, but I did everything right, yeah, and then he dies <laughs> <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah,
1: the really weird thing of him is, is, um, yeah, there are so many little hypocrite hypocritical things about him which i was just waiting for there to be like you know a, a scene where someone calls him out on all of it mm. um and when it didn't happen it was kind of like uh, but then when he died he's like i did everything perfectly mm. that fa- was it calling yeah. him out yeah the fact that he never saw all of the hypocrisy it's like <laughs> oh man this guy really you know did himself in uh, uh
0: maybe because i'm familiar with his actor um Although I think his character, I think he's the weakest element of the movie, the villain. In there was- a similar way to Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element, where I like the actor. I thought he gave a brilliant performance, but he doesn't make any fucking sense, really. He's mm. kind of a bit sloppy. I wish there was more explanation, more time spent, but I like that actor, so... I enjoyed his moments and like that scene where you 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 made it your intermission the mm. scene where he makes the journalist kill the guy I thought that was one of the best scenes in the movie it made me go now this is an antagonist I want to watch
1: yeah he, he was testing him and he used it against him the result
0: and the performance in that moment from him where he's just like you're gonna infest my Eid and I was like this is what I want and he reminded me of an anime villain
1: yeah for sure
0: he reminded me of like So many weird little anime (laughs) villains that are like that. And uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed him, but I was curious of what your thoughts uh, were on the villain in this movie and that performer, because you're not as familiar with him. You never watched the Hobbit movies? No, I haven't. You never. You should. I'm going to say it now. People should be pressured about like you should check out that Castlevania show. You've played the games a bit, haven't you? Over the mm-hmm. years, the Castlevania show on Netflix is very fun, very good. And yeah, you've been telling about he, it for right. He, he's wonderful. He's as Trevor Belmont. He's really got this cool. He's got this real kind of dipshit energy to him because he's like a <laughs> drunkard to begin with. He's like, I'm not interested. And mm. He's really good. He's really fun in that. But uh, uh, tell me a bit about what you thought about that side of this movie, the the villain.
1: Yeah, like I said, there was just all this uh, potential for interaction with this character and our heroes where, again, great scene with the journalist. He tells him, uh, you know, kill this guy and then I will let you and your family into my utopia of perfect people. (laughs) The journalist kills the guy and then he turns around and says, like, you see, you've shown me your true self. Now you were willing to kill this guy. You are the type of person that I don't want in my utopia. And then he... Kills the journalist,
0: and also like a part of his motivation. There is you're a liar because you disposed virtues and then you showed otherwise. Yeah, and And I don't want that type of people.
1: And it led back to what he was saying in his first scene, where you know he was talking about how the dirt from Mars is not dirty. Mm. You know, he's perfectly happy to eat a sandwich with Mars dirty hands. It is humans who are filthy. Filthy. Um, They're the ones who need to be eradicated. You know, the Mm. Earth. We need to get rid of survivability on earth, livability on earth in order to get people out of earth. Mm. And then that goes into the hypocrisy of like, well, you're killing most of humanity for that. Um So you get the philosophy behind this character and it's very easy to see where he's being hypocritical because he's killing people. He himself would see himself as someone who is not worthy of the utopia he wants, but he doesn't see it because he is himself. Um, and even though there was no scene where someone was calling him out, you know, his final scene was him dying, not realizing where he went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like, yeah, there would have been a bit more possibility with him bouncing off of our main characters. Cause he does have a history with most of them, most of them, like all of them except bubs, right? Oh, and and uncle tiger. So yeah, I don't think okay. Half of them. A,
0: yeah. Most of them, <laughs> yeah. the little girl, the main character and the captain. So yeah. that's Three out of five, so that's not too bad. Yeah,
1: and we see him all throughout the film, but talking to, like, you know, one or two scene characters. I think what
0: made me confused about him was I I thought his, his motivations were crystalline and clear. Yes. I just didn't get what the whole, like, I mean I kind of do but when it first happened he's having the boardroom scene and he's got all the fucking weird veins happening and he's talking like a monster man and then he starts like cracking and making growling noises I'm like what's this I- and then the movie proceeds <laughs> to keep making me go what was that and I think it's like if I had to interpret it it's like he's done stuff to himself yeah, to keep alive because
1: he's 153 years old but he looks like he's what 33 yeah
0: 35 perhaps he looks and-
1: He looks like he could play like a hipster or something
0: yeah, yeah yeah he looks like he yeah and so there's an interpretive thing there but it's just like it was a weird wrinkle that they put there that it detracted and distracted me from him if they just kept him as he was and gave us the inkling that he was wanting to live forever because that's kind of what we're getting at is this guy wants to not only be god but he wants to be god in the way of living forever as well That was already perfectly communicated to me, but this weird, like, monster man thing where he does a growly voice,
1: and he's like, prove to me that you're remorseful physically.
0: That was a distraction, Mm. and it just made me go, I need more from you.
1: I guess, because you mentioned earlier the the link with, like, oh, he felt like kind of like an anime villain in a show that isn't a show, a movie that isn't so anime with all of its Mm. stuff. It reminds me of when I was watching uh, Detective Conan all those years ago. Mm. Um there would occasionally be episodes that had like western characters in them and later on in the show when they would have those characters they would actually get people from, you know, England or something to voice a civilian mm. in England and things like that. And their delivery of lines, even though they're English and they are speaking English, would be just this little bit stilted. Mm. Like, oh, what sort of direction were they being given with these lines? Like, obviously, these are fluent speakers, but you know, they're saying like, oh, it's like troll too. Yeah, you have to go over there.
0: You can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it.
1: (laughs) So it just makes me wonder. Like, okay, maybe because you said this is an entirely South Korean film, Mm -hmm. like maybe there would be some sort of cultural difference or maybe they were playing up his
0: foreigner yeah. by making him so crazy i, I don't know i don't, I don't want to he reminded me of i know this is a weird left turn thing to say remove the monster man thing he reminded me almost of the villain from um what's that lupin the third is that the character yeah. the, the movie the the miyazaki oh the castle
1: of Cagliostro one
0: he kind of reminded me of the antagonist in that movie where he's like this weird eccentric rich creep who's doing all of this weird ass stuff so that he can get relics to motivate him you know what i mean like it's not yeah. one-to-one but that general vibe of uh, uh of uh you know, in this case, Korean in that case, Japanese yeah, eccentric grabbing, powerful Gramming what comes across as like a Western villain character and churning those usual kind of motivations for the Western villain character through the Asian lens, yeah. is kind of what I got with him in a weird way, where I've seen this kind of evil industrialist. Uh, capitalist character in in several Asian pieces of media and they've always got this interesting angle to it like this guy does here. In the scene where he boards their ship after they EMP mine the fuck out of them, he has his glasses on and there's so many scenes where so many shots where his glasses have the reflection of like a, a white light, so his lenses look completely white. Mm. And that felt straight up some kind of anime that or is manga that, or is an, or other. that is
1: an anime trope. Like the, the mm-hmm. light gleaning on glasses so you don't see the pupils, like Gendo from uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion has to yeah. happen all the time. Uh, usually that's what you do in like sinister moments Frank Miller uses
0: it in his comics such as in Sin City uh in the movie Elijah Wood's character has that all the time as well so and I I, when I say anime I mean you know I don't know what the Japan I mean, uh, the Korean. If I don't know much about South Korean in terms of like TV shows and like animation stuff, I don't know. I think South what their industry is in that regard. Because when we say anime, we're, we're drawing what we know, but yeah. like we know it's South Korean. If I'm not
1: mistaken, I think, and i I'm actually going to refer back to something I said all the way back in Wobots. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure. South Korea has been known to, like, be a country that you outsource animation to, Mm -hmm. which is the reason why I brought it up back in Wobots.
0: Isn't that where Simpsons do it?
1: Maybe, I'm not sure, but I know definitely that um, there have been some, like, actual Japanese anime stuff that was- outsourced to korea back in like the 90s and that's why Mm. some of it is like a bit more stilted even though it's like you know a standalone product kind of thing yeah i think even some australian stuff if i'm not mistaken has been outsourced there
0: but do they i'm curious people like i know south korean cinema in terms of like live action like your old boy and uh thirst and handmaiden and now this i don't know what their animation stuff is like in terms of film or tv so obviously when we say anime we're just going off we, we, what we know from this but like I, I don't think it's unfair to say that space sweepers is taking from multiple sources outside of south korea i mean there's a little bit of firefly in this which also oh, took well, from yeah. cowboy bebop as earlier, well and there's a little bit of star wars yeah earlier little bit of star trek
1: earlier and, when i was saying that this film has a globalized a society, bit of alien. yeah a globalized society in it that also extends to the production like mm-hmm. obviously this is a film that's gotten actors from all around the world that speak different languages coming in Mm. so obviously there's going to be a lot of influence there like i'm sure even if we were to just say like oh this the main inspiration was cowboy bebop well what was the main inspiration of cowboy bebop like western stuff
0: yeah and it goes on and on and on yeah everything inspires everything in the end so yeah but i did enjoy this i i really thought uh that the characters were the thing that pushed me through it like the story was fun i enjoyed the little hijinks and the evil company that wants the girl for these reasons and earth is fucked in the plan all that's cool but i just enjoyed our crew i like a good sci-fi where we're in space now preferences for me are your star treks and babylon fives where you have sci-fi in space with planets and aliens and time travel and space battles but if i don't get that what i really want at the core of it is a good crew of people so that's why i also enjoy those shows is like i love the crew of the enterprise in tng in the original series i love the crew of babylon 5 and their interactions and i love the crew of people in uh cowboy bebop as we've said multiple times and i love the crew here you can see why they are with one another but why they also don't get on and it's 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 the seeing them as we've said the 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 kind of harsh cold bitter characters turn warm and fuzzy and friendly and find their place in the world that's just that's more than just the greed and money aspect that drives them at the beginning. That's what really worked for me. It may be simple, maybe formulaic for some, a bit corny, as the movie does point out mm-hmm. but it works if it works, it works like hey, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but if when I watch those original Star Wars movies. Am I smiling when we have Han Solo in the cockpit telling this person not to touch that and Chewie's there and... Yeah, I am. I enjoy that. There's just a part of my brain that just... just fires up when I see these kind of dynamics at play. And it is a popular thing. It's not just me. Many people enjoy this and I think... The South Korean flair to the movie, the sense of humor, the emphasis on on absurd action, which I've seen in a lot of their movies, uh, is is kind of the flavor to it, as well as the interesting sci-fi world. But also, I, I really liked how uh, unafraid the movie is at being sentimental and cynical. It will be nice and happy as I hey, look, this robot is trans and wants to be a girl robot and that's sweet but then it'll also be like the main character has this really fucking depressing backstory and it's like oh the pendulum swing from really sweet and tender to kind of really tragic and sad and Mm. cynical was really well done
1: yeah and that's just another thing like cowboy bebop (laughs) right (laughs) which is why we keep bringing it up so much i guess
0: but yeah it was it was a good time uh any particular moments that stood out for you in this um yeah I mean
1: we've we've already talked about like uh monsters Inc guys, all these scenes where he points out like oh you this is your true self, like mm-hmm. as much as I did want a little bit more from him and maybe even just some interactions with him, like his philosophy at least was clear cut, like mm-hmm. he did mention uh he thinks like I think it was on a genetic level, mm-hmm. some people are just evil, and then you even had a scene with the heroes where they're like are we bad because we're poor? Are we poor because we're bad? And it's just like, you know, yeah, they, all these little- they
0: apply to religion. Religious allegories used a lot here. Sin and godhood and-
1: Yeah, a lot of little philosophical things like that, which, you know, makes you think a bit more. Um, things in specific. I mean, there's just so many little funny moments, what especially- hmm? What did you
0: think of Bob's, the robot? What did you think of Bubs, the robot? Is actually a character I thought you would enjoy? Yeah, I
1: was literally about to bring her up. Uh, I really liked the little touch of when, uh, I forget her Korean name, but Dor- the Dorothy, the mm. little girl, um... Something like Kitma,
0: Kitna. Yeah, it's like all hyphenated that. names, I have to get
1: used mm. to that. Um, when she, the little girl, brought up, like, oh, you, you the, her gender identity without having been told beforehand, and, like, bubs blushed yeah, and,
0: call, like... Yeah, called her sis or something.
1: Yeah, something like that, um... Mm. And her reaction to that, you know, like, putting on the blushing things, that was funny. <laughs> um, And that, that that was one of the really big things that, you know, endeared her to her.
0: Yeah, I, it reminded me of Gertie in Moon, when Gertie in Moon would have the emoji faces yeah. that would really endear <laughs> you to that computer, that robot, that AI. Mm. And, and that actor. Yeah, and that... Um, and then uh yeah it was similar in that moment where it's like you got this blank face thing they even point out earlier that they don't have a mouth (laughs) it's like (laughs) shut your mouth i don't have a mouth uh and then the blushing thing and the eyes and all that was really cool oh a moment that i thought kicked ass because the captain lady's so fucking cool when uh i can't remember who they were talking to i think it was like the the black foxes right Mm. um where she says i'm not giving an order uh I'm asking you and then and then she says to Bobs, it's like if they do this kill them and then you see bob's eyes go from like normal mode to like kill mode it's like now that's, <laughs> yeah, that's an order, an order. <laughs> that's the I, I don't know if when you saw that but uh there are many moments when you have watched movies that we do for this podcast where you say oh no that's a moment ryan would like that's a moment i like see that and i was like this is a me thing this is my gym that, that moment with
1: that moment there was so fluid that it like kind of just flew by like oh wow well
0: yeah that was a good one <laughs> she was awesome i thought Here's a sci-fi touch I've never really seen people do before. They are a, a, a junk ship. They collect junk. They're junk rats. So they don't have weapons, naturally, on their ship. So when you have a spaceship battle, how do they fight? I I've never seen, really, what they do here, where she, the captain, is at the back of the ship, and she has, like, a space rifle, and she's just shooting... From the back, I've never seen that. I always see the, spa- the, the ship has guns, or what they yeah. do with the other ships, where they use their grappling things to fuck people up, or they have like Gatling guns built into the ship, or whatever, like Han Solo does, right? Where he has it, where Ray can sit there and force awakens and shoot stuff, and Luke can do it in the. But like. I, I really have ever seen that, where a person just, like, grabs a space rifle, they have it tied to themselves so it doesn't float off in space, they're just sitting there at the back and just shooting at things. I, I and see, also
1: having your robot, like, just stand on top of it with a weapon.
0: And harpooning from ship to ship <laughs> yeah. and punching them. I've seen that kind of thing before with robot characters or, like, things of that nature, but uh, I've, never, I've never really seen anyone do that, and so... I'm a bit more familiar with the sci-fi genre than you than than you are, so that stood out to me. What about you? Like did you see any of that kind of thing and go, Oh, that was interesting? With those kind of like little details of like how you can do these things? Because I mean you've seen enough movies to know the usual standard is the ship has guns itself. Yeah. They just shoot guns yes, or so- missiles or throw tr I was waiting for them to throw trash at them more, <laughs> which they did do. They did do. I guess with me.
1: Because whenever you have, you know, a sci-fi space battle, you can always make an allegory to, like, something historical, like, oh world war ii world war ii like oh it's last like last
0: jedi looking at you it's <laughs> this, there's, there's gravity in space Apparently, this
1: ship this ship is like an armored car this one's like a armored vehicle you mm, know you this could, one's a plane you could have people come out of it stand on top of it, and fire things so i just kind of <laughs> saw that i was like oh yeah that but in terms of like the whole sci-fi scope like that's never been done before that would have yeah gone over my
0: head yeah i'm sure it's been done but it's just when it's, I saw it, I just yeah. looked at it and went, that's cool. I like this.
1: <laughs> I, I guess for me, it was just like, oh, that's logical. But yeah, it's not so much like, oh, nothing else I've seen has done that.
0: Yeah. yeah just, it, it leapt out at me and I thought, this endears me to the character. I also like that her gun had to recharge, not reload, recharge. I thought that was a nice <laughs> sci-fi touch because it's a laser gun. So it doesn't run out of bullets. It just needs to charge up again. Really awesome. Bob's was a cool character. I love the design. I loved how they set up their gender journey throughout the thing. I loved how at the end they still had the male voices like, no, I can't keep this voice. This is silly. And of course, uh, this would look cool in animation and it looked cool in live action. Hence, like when I saw the movie, I went, man, I would have watched this as like an animated show as well. When... At the very end, when we were showing the characters, and Bubs is just like a human humanoid-looking woman now, and they're still sitting outside on the ship in space, reading, and their hair's like floating around. I'm like, that's a cool visual. That's like an <laughs> awesome visual. You know, it's one of those things where you see it in live action. It still looks cool, but like if you saw that in an anime, like in an animated thing or an illustration of that, where you got like you know your typical kind of young Korean-looking lady. In the usual kind of garb that they wear, reading like a magazine, sucking a lollipop or whatever, sitting in space on, on the outside of the spaceship. That's like a, a striking visual. Mm. And I thought the it, film's yeah, filled be, with those. Yeah, it'd be
1: something that out of context would, you know, be really memorable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I liked how Pierre factored into the movie because he seemed like he wouldn't and then he did. The, the French lover boy. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he was good. He was he was very fun. And I like how he factored and he, he did a marvelous job. Because he, he kind of went away. Then he kind of came back. And then he went away again. And the way that they did that at first, I was like, what's the point of this character? And then he came back and he had a point. I was like, okay, movie, you tricked me. Because I thought you were just having this guy be here for no fucking reason. But then he's actually here for a reason. So thank you, movie, for proving me wrong. I also... Didn't expect the black foxes to be all of the, like the the space sweepers bosses, basically. <laughs> I didn't that was a twist I didn't see coming, honestly. I was I thought that was neat, especially how uh, the, the, the chick that we were talking about at the beginning of the movie was like, fuck, this translator doesn't I didn't expect her to be one. Yeah. That was a, I mean, that was either. a neat detail. <laughs> And I also love the narration at the end from the little girl about what everyone's up to nowadays and, like, the main character is like, ten pairs of shoes.
1: (laughs) And you see him with, like, a really vibrant stands out in the (laughs) scene shoes.
0: That was great. Uh, I can't think of much else to say about Space Sweepers. I thought it was an enjoyable time. Not a perfect movie. Uh, A little sloppy in places. A little too long, in my opinion. I
1: agree about that, yeah.
0: But at the same time, I wanted more from it um uh, it's uh, it's a movie that I would perfectly describe as a seven out of ten type of experience
1: thereabouts
0: yeah where it's good, it's fun, could always be better, but at the same time, I don't see many movies like this currently, so it's filling a market for me that I want more of like I wish there were more movies like this mm. around as well and uh so yeah i recommend it i recommend it for this and i recommend it I, if you're at all interested there's plenty of fun twists and turns and action set pieces and character moments and it's it's an enjoyable film
1: yeah it, it's one of those things where you say like oh it's it, yeah it's a seven out of ten and you know seven out of ten's kind of like uh got a bit of a negative connotation to it mm-hmm. but it's also one where you have to go like it's seven out of ten but it's it's a very very fun film and hey do you like fun things Watch this, it's fun.
0: Yeah, it's a rollicking time and it cares about the characters that you're following. It isn't- I made a comment about Star Wars throughout this. This isn't modern Star Wars where they don't really care about the characters, they just want you to see the spectacle. Like, when you watch Rogue One, you don't give a fuck about the characters in Rogue One. You don't give a shit about Jin Erso you're there because I want to see Darth Vader turn on his lightsaber and fuck people up, or mm. the Death Star, I know that, or, ooh, CGI mm. Peter Cushing. And And when you do have characters that are going to appear in a,
1: appear in a later entry, it's more so about, like, ooh, what, what sort of twists are they going to be with this character?
0: Would you watch more? If they made more Space Sweepers, would you be interested?
1: Uh, like sequel films? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Just to see yeah if they could have any, any more maybe
0: mm. I gonna see bubs fall in love
1: you see Bubs fall in love yeah will I was, they thinking, fall in
0: love with a human will they fall in love with another robot mm. I'd watch
1: that it definitely has a prequel potential because we haven't gotten too much into the details of what they were like in the past mm. maybe not so much in like a movie thing but maybe uh a short series, like every episode's like graphic ooh, novel, a patch. backstory on you know Uncle Tiger's uh, drug cartel, drug cartel things like that.
0: He got rid of his tattoos so he wouldn't scare all of her friends. Mm. If um, if
1: this if this was like in the anime industry, I'd be talking about like you know a short OVA series.
0: Again, this movie is the type of film, and uh, uh, again, stressing this, we both enjoyed it, but. I like a movie that's a little rough around the edges, sometimes. I don't need every movie to be fucking perfect. Hence, we did a whole series on this podcast where we talk about movies that aren't fucking perfect. They're unappreciated, right? And they're sloppy and messy and rough, and you can see what they're going for, and there's a thrill in that. There's a thrill here where there's things that I'm thinking about where I have to stop myself from talking because we have to end the episode sooner rather than later, but like, there's things that are like, ah, oh, man... Wouldn't it have been neat if there was a moment in the movie where blank happened? Because the movie is one where it's filled with so much potential that you want more of that rather than no potential at all. It's not so much wasted. It's just like, oh, man, you could do so much. Such as, I was thinking, like, at some point in the movie, I was waiting for when they were traveling around in space for our main character's bracelet to go off because he's, like, in... Con- like, near enough range to where his dead daughter was and like what twist would that be what would that do to the story and again if you had this as a show that could be an episode again it's one of those things where it's imperfection it's imperfections is a part of the the joy of the movie
1: it feels like almost like in in an alternate universe uh a few years from now uh you know we would be just starting the yum yum series on the space sweepers tv mm. show and we're starting with the pilot film right like you see where all these introduced elements
0: started here mm-hmm. and then in the show itself it was explored in this way like that right kind of right right and i mean you know what i'm talking about like we do this all the time on on the podcast we talk about things movies shows whatever it is and we do it off the podcast where. In the world of criticism, it's very much like people want it to be like every movie is either dog shit or perfect. And you can't have, you know, there's this Mm. weird kind of realm. But we really relish in these type of films where it's really fun. And you could see why this is somebody's favorite movie. But it's a bit messy and doesn't work here. And you kind of want to rework it. That's why we love something like Nothing But Trouble. Where Nothing But Trouble is like this unfiltered madness from this Mm. one man. And yet there's so much in there that you're like, that's great. Mm twist this around do this expand this here translate this in this way and that's a joy to me and this is what i got when i finished the movie that exhilaration that i had of that variety came back which i haven't had in a little while because we've been doing more like prestigious films or more Mm. you know romper stomp
1: (laughs) which has a series apparently
0: yes yes we didn't bring that up but it has a series (laughs) uh but yes space sweepers enjoyable film watch it people recommendation is actually from the listening people next uh, the next one did but, you know this?
1: hold on hold on a second now ryan there's a problem with what you said cuz normally in the first week it's it's me right? then it's you and, and then uh, after you it's the oh you're right it is listening people i said get go you're right i forget what i said it's, yes you're right
0: Unless you want to do it again. No, 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 you were right. You listen to the show. <laughs> no, you, well, I, actually,
1: I actually haven't listened to any Pictures Power, whoa, to be fair. But.
0: Whoa, did Gil from The Simpsons come into the room right now? Oh, <laughs> oh man, my wife, my, the wolves are at old Gil's door. <laughs> I was about to say that line, yes. <laughs> Uh So the listening people have recommended uh, an older film. A film from the ah,
1: 50s. A bad film. Well. Well, you said old. That's why I said oh, bad okay. film. It's
0: got Marilyn Monroe. Bus Stop. Which oh, was... is
1: this one recommended by one of Will's friends? Well,
0: specifically, you wrote in <laughs> I, I, I know Because <laughs> this guy recommended two movies, one of which we've already done. You you have to delineate Will's mate, and this one is Will's Chum. I remember that now. So yes. this is recommended by <laughs> our, our friend Will's Chum. Uh David, I do believe, yes. if I'm not mistaken. And he was Stop. Yes, yeah, and
1: he was the friend for a streetcar named Desire, was mm-hmm. it? Yes. So
0: two older films with iconic actors uh i don't know bus stop i'm not a huge marilyn monroe filmography guy i've only seen like maybe two three of her films some like it hot being the one i've watched a lot i've seen a great film.
1: i've seen a picture of her legs
0: oh have you now yeah oh, oh okay well, there you go why
1: are you being awkward i was sharing my history
0: because <laughs> you you did it in the stammering way i, I I've seen a picture of her legs. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and just to be clear, you weren't watching my hands when I said that, right? Mm, I, I but I'm they're not doing I anything. I heard now. the
0: vigorous motion of them. So uh, I was pointing well, at my legs. Mm-hmm, he has three. So we are going to be one, watching and talking about bus stop. Two. No, the one in the middle, Bartik. <laughs>
1: my thumbs.
0: <laughs> sure. You're, you're, well then you're, shouldn't there be you're, four you're, well not if we keep talking or cut one of them off um, So, we, oh my dick <laughs> oh my penis it's almost like for some reason you were shy to say because you're like this is in your brain this is the one my mum listens to <laughs> I'm not going to say it <laughs> this is the one episode my mum listens to she may like every post that we do but she doesn't actually listen to the show but this is the one where she will listen she listens to main Huna. Of course, because because she knows
1: the film. Mum, if you're listening, also listen to Empire Records. We have a really funny skit in that one.
0: <laughs> Bartek's mum, could you please also listen to Arutsuki Doji 1 <laughs> and Arutsuki Doji 2, Legend of the Demon Room? Yes, and keep in mind, the DVD is in my room. Yeah, you could watch it for yourself, <laughs> actually. Bartek's mum, watch... The hentai films What's hentai, you ask? Well, I'm sure your son Barta can explain it all to you in the comfort of your own home. It's like a chicken, but it's wearing a tie. Ah, there you go. Uh, People, you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. Email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com with any of your questions, queries, thoughts, concerns, and recommendations. As said... We take them, we put them in the list, and we hopefully cover them on the show one day in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bartok, a pleasure talking South Korean films with you yet again. We keep giving you some interesting ones to watch. Uh, uh, One day we're going to do Old old Boy, because that's probably Mm. one of the biggest, Mm. one, one of the big big dogs that you haven't seen.
1: That's true. We also have to do a really shitty one.
0: Yeah. You want me to find a shitty South Korean movie?
1: Just to really fuck with me, yes.
0: I have to find one. Like,
1: oh, this one's really good. This one's really good. Rat Fuckers from Venus. It's a lot of
0: fun. I don't know. (laughs) Rat rat Fuckers from Venus sounds like a Harmony Korean
1: movie. (laughs) After he did Spring Breakers. (laughs) You also have to give me a Harmony Korean film because you've been telling me about it for a long time. I I have told you about
0: Spring Breakers. And even Alex from The Contrarians has brought up Spring Breakers on this podcast. He did a movie called Trash Humpers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: So, uh, next week, 50s film Rat Fuckers from Venus.
0: Okay, till so then, people.
1: Remember to fuck a rat.
0: I was going to try and replicate the sound of a rat <laughs> f- fucking thing, but I don't know what my vocal thing would be for that, because a part of me was going to do a meow noise, but then that's not <laughs> the right noise. That's a cat fucker.
1: Well, me- well. Oh, so you're interpreting it as it's a rat getting fucked. Okay, so it's not a rat who's fucking. No no no. Okay.
0: It's it's a it's a person who's a rat fucker. Uh-huh. And the rat is getting fucked.
1: Okay, so you're not one for like the, the child molester joke where it's about it's a child that molests.
0: <laughs> That's not a joke I've thought about, but thank you. <laughs>